and we are live. Good to see you today, my EOS podcast friends. I have a fun show to you today. I have the official fuzzy, Justin, his newest project for the good of the EOS ecosystem is stake mine. I'm actually really excited about this as I got to dig into the incentives. So um, listen to, to kind of what this is all about as, as we start to dig into it. But uh, Justin, welcome to the EOS podcast and go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, yes, my name is Justin, aka Official Fuzzy. Uh, been in crypto since sub a penny bitcoins. Uh, got into BitShares when I started learning about the scalability issues of Bitcoin and hearing Dan talk about things that were considered unpopular at the time and might still be considered unpopular. Um, founded Beyond Bitcoin with him to try to give a, a weekly update on what he was doing and what other people were doing in the depot space. Uh, after about four and a half years of that, uh, we had, well, we covered BitShares at that point in time, Steam at that point in time, various projects that were joining up through those two DACs. Um, and then we got into something called whale shares, which were cross-chain tokens. And I helped to found that and design that system. Uh, had a couple people who were really helpful. The main one uh, was the builder of it who actually works on EOS now. Uh, his name is Mateus Romeo. Um, awesome guy. He actually built the first whale shares cross chain depot tokens between Steam and BitShares. Uh, then that evolved into the whale shares blockchain that we have today that is evolving from the Steam code base but is working to provide a very, very specific role in the ecosystem for EOS and to kind of do what, um, what a lot of chains don't want to do, which is, I, which is what I call creating Voltron, right? Uh, a lot of people kind of look at me crazy when I say that, but anybody who knows what Voltron is, they know that there's multiple uh, robots and they come together into a, a super ultra mega robot to fight the, the, the biggest and baddest of the evildoers in the state. Right. And they are required to come together because if they don't come together, then they're going to just like bounce off of this big behemoth of a monster creature. Right. So they come together and I look at it like at, at DAX and depots, especially as being able to facilitate those cross connections and the value propositions that come from those are synergistic rather than uh, just linear. Right. Um, so it's, it's a really cool thing that kind of led us up to this point, which is, and we call those mutual aid societies and DACs, decentralized autonomous cooperatives, communities, whatever, or, you know, they call them DAO in Ethereum, uh, but very similar concepts, right? So we've been there, I've been there from the very beginning of those. And then from there emerged from the whale shares chain and the concepts that I learned from there started looking at EOS as, as it was launched or as it was announced and calling it the exponential operating system. And there was a specific reason I won't get too deep into it yet, but let's just suffice, suffice it to say that I think that the exponential operating system is the perfect name for it. And I think you guys will see more in the future why. Um, but then from there got into the whole concept of bandwidth, right? And, and how we can, evolve the concept of like things like steam uh, and and the depost models that we've seen up to this day 
and leverage EOS for something slightly different that is actually not available anywhere else in cryptocurrency. And that's primarily because of the way it's structured and the way that bandwidth works on the network. So that's kind of uh, a sh long story short, kind of condensed version. Uh, but that's what led us to bandwidth markets, IBOs, initial bandwidth offerings, which is what we call stake money, um, as, as the flagship of it. So that's my story <laughs> in, a, in a, a little snippet, I guess. Yeah, you've got you've got a deep history in the uh, in the cryptocurrency blockchain space, which which I appreciate because I came through uh, you know, discovering BitShares after Bitcoin and Ethereum, and then discovering BitShares and kind of tr just trying to understand it. You know, I was like in the deep end, like what is going on, and then going on to Steam it, uh, seeing whale shares, and then like like a lot of people that came that path, uh, following it to EOS. Um, can you give like just an overview of how those pieces, because you mentioned Voltron, which is a killer analogy, by the way. I love that. Uh, I'm definitely going to use that, and I'll try to remember to credit you each time I do. But um, so describe, like, for someone who didn't come through that whole system there, how BitShares, Steemit, or Steam Blockchain, Whale Shares interacted and what kind of the use case was for users and how what that looked like. Yeah, well, well, it first started off with realizing that BitShares was able to process so many more transactions than any other blockchain around, right, at the time. And even to this day is one of the top blockchains in the world for that, right? So that was the first thing. And the second part of it was the fact that because of how things uh were designed, it was different from proof of work in the manner of like, with proof of work, what do you do? Your miners spend a lot of money trying to most efficiently mine this coin, which is a lot of energy. And that energy goes to who? The power companies, right? Now, when you get energy from the power companies, that's fine and dandy, but what investment is going into actually building up the ecosystem, right? Now, with depots, you were able to start seeing things like worker proposals come into play, voting on those worker proposals to pay for things that you thought were valuable, right, that, that you thought were important for the community. Meanwhile, on other chains, I would say, you know, what do I do if I don't like this? And they would say, sell. That's your answer, sell. And I was like, man, as a community member and a citizen, I want to be able to have some say. I want to have something that I can that I can say about it other than just I don't like this. It's profitable. I don't like it, <laughs> but I'm going to sell. Um, you know, I would like to have other options. And that's why BitShares was like, to me, was one of the best things around. Because you have it where not only do you have the speed and the capacity to actually run a service that people can use on a daily basis, but you also have the governance and the ability to uh, to vote on things and that's where all that started right and then from steam when steam was launched in the beyond bitcoin hangout um, what essentially it was doing was it was saying okay we're going to take inflation in this chain and we're going to distribute it as well as the bandwidth on the network to people who hold tokens and they have to lock them away right to get the superpowers of the chain 
to get to vote, to have the voting power, you're going to have to put something at stake. You're literally going to have to say, okay, I'm going to lock this up for a long period of time because I think that it's going to be worth it to lock these tokens up to be able to gain access to the, the perks in the system, right? And that came with, came, what came with that was also the bandwidth, right? Because if I have a bunch of tokens staked, I can use the bandwidth to post as many posts as I want. Now the problem, as we know on Steam, is that the bandwidth isn't just, you're not gonna use all that bandwidth for posting. And if you do, you're probably not doing something valuable for the ecosystem, right? <laughs> so what we've come up with from EOS is kind of like, uh, it's, it's an evolution of these two concepts and kind of also merging Ethereum into it, the use case of Ethereum, right? Mm -hmm. Which has been Dan's kind of what, I would say what Dan's, one of his main goals has been, has been to offer what Ethereum was planning to offer, but offer it in a way that scales and that people can use, right? As opposed to, because because let's face it, one of the hardest things is, especially as a person who loves crypto, is to watch a bunch of people buy a bunch of crypto kitties and things like that, and then see it fail on them. And then no, that's not the end of it for them. They're going to maybe stop crypto, but they're gonna, every time they mention crypto to somebody, they're gonna talk about that first. Mm -hmm. And when, for people who really care about this stuff and are trying to bring value, like true value, that there's nothing worse than that to see that, right? So one of the main things that, that EOS was meant to do was to try to protect people from having that stuff happen. You have a blockchain that can handle all the transactions you need. You're going to be able to get to use your bandwidth in a very precise manner to get the things that you need as far as processing in various dApps. And you're gonna be able to leverage your, your staked EOS to do that. So then, of course, I won't get too much into the stake mine port because that's not your question yet. But that's kind of the evolution of, of where we came from. And when I was discussing all these things, I'm sure you've heard the analogy of EOS being like um, real estate, right? And it's very much the case because you have limited bandwidth on the network, right? You have, you have limitations, but there is a value to being part of that network, right? It's kind of like there being a value to playing at a venue that's well known, right? Mm -hmm. there is, whether people like the fact that it's, un, it's not unlimited space or not, it's the fact that it's, un, it's not unlimited space and something else, that X factor that they've got going on that makes that place valuable. You know, it might just be a little rundown Rick Shack bar where a bunch of bands have played that grew up and became popular. It's still the same, the same concept applied. So the question then became, how do we evolve this concept and leverage it to do something that has never been done in crypto before, right? Because one of, the, like I said, the main thing is we always talk about mass adoption. But if my mom doesn't feel comfortable getting a hold of cryptocurrency, then she's not going to join in. And I'm pretty sure that that's 90% of all the people out there, including the ones who are very nerds, big nerds, right, who like this stuff. I'm sure even you as a nerd in crypto have had times when you said, 
I am scared as shit to move this to these tokens, right? Absolutely. I'm scared of holding these tokens because I'm, I'm afraid of something little that I'm not seeing. We want that to be as minimal as possible because once people feel that this is a safe space, not only do they feel like getting into it in a mass, like a mass adoption kind of level, but they also are willing to say, hey, when the lawmakers say, and nothing against lawmakers, you know, but when the lawmakers who are overzealous come out and say, we need to regulate all of this. We need, everybody needs to be accredited. You have to pay $1,000 to us every year to be accredited. You have to take a test that we've come up with to be accredited. Whenever people come in and say, and hear them say this, they're going to, uh, hopefully, if we have the right, uh, the right tools for them, and they've seen that we, that we can kind of self-govern and offer a protective layer to them, they're going to say, we don't need that. We don't need over-regulation, right? There's still a place for it, but we don't need you to over-regulate it. It's hurting us too, and we don't need that. We've got this in place that keeps us safe anyway, right? So those are the kinds of goals that we're trying to work toward here. Um, but... I could go on probably all day on this. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, those are those are beautiful goals, and and you you have a chance to go on all day. That's what the, that's what the podcast is for. Uh, but uh, getting getting to know your story and what you've been doing in the space, one of my favorite things is just this bigger vision for crypto and for people in the world and for uh, the bigger picture goals that you're working towards that you keep pointing back to. One of them is this massive opt-in, which is going to take some safety of the blockchain. And um, thank you for the history of with BitShares, Steemit, EOS, why this is all here. And I mean, that is a perfect stake, segue into StakeMine because um, it, it's a, it fits right in with the puzzle pieces that you've laid out there. So what what is StakeMine? Yeah, go for it. What is it? Okay, well, my favorite thing, whenever I talk about StakeMine, and actually whenever the people who, who promote StakeMine, who I see promoting StakeMine, I often will correct them. They talk about staking being the next mining, which is correct. But what I like to talk about first and foremost is the concept of the IBO, right? The initial bandwidth offering. Because we've had this, I, I'm sure you've seen it, <laughs> this, what, two, three years of absolutely insane ICOs. I mean, if I would have, there was a time that if I really was that type of person, I could have just created, paid somebody, you know, a thousand dollars to make some coin on ERC 20, paid a couple of thousand dollars to have a couple website or a website and a forum put up for a short period of time, maybe paid a social media manager, some of the tokens and some new, in this new token endeavor, made a couple million dollars, run off in a boat and never look back, right? <laughs> Let's, let's not lie, that's, that does happen in crypto. And as a matter of fact, that's one of the things that whenever I cringe when I listen to people on mainstream television, because it's like, you, do, you guys don't focus on people like the real genuinely like loving people who are trying to build something amazing. Instead, they're focusing on these people who are, you know, oh, there's another scam, there's another this, there's another that, and you're like, oh, well, yes, there are but don't paint us all with that brush, right? So the concept of IBO kind of came because we knew, or, or I knew that there's this issue with ICOs. And I'm not saying that I'm against ICOs. I'm simply saying that there's, whether people like it or not, regulation is coming. And we can be smart about this and make it so regulation doesn't need to be heavy handed, 
by kind of regulating ourselves, creating virtuous systems. And stake mine as an IBO ecosystem, the concept of initial bandwidth offering was done for a very specific reason. If you have a product that actually works and you are capable of building that project that actually works, bandwidth is valuable to you, right? Now, if you're going to have that project and you're going to list it and you need bandwidth and you don't want to pay out of pocket, because let's face it, like let's say you're a developer with mad skills but you care about this project so much you don't have a, a full-time job you know you're you're eating ramen noodles even though you could make 500 grand a year doing something that you hate right but if you're one of those people you come up with a project that's done and you can launch it using bandwidth offering you can give some tokens away for free to people who are giving their bandwidth to you in return for them so it's not necessarily free but it is something where they never have to risk their egos, right? Which is a stark contrast to what you see in most ICO ecosystems, right? That's Bitcoin, Ethereum, all of them. Most of the places, most of the chains that you see come out or the apps that you see come out, they say, okay, here's a wonderful website. It's really frigging pretty. Here's a cool video. Here's the address for you to send our for you to send your primary coins to us so we can buy a boat. I mean, so we can build your project. <laughs> and, <laughs> and and by the way, you know, we're awesome people. See you later. You know, hold on to that bag for us and let us know in 10 years what happened. Right? Instead of doing that, it's I have a project. It works. I'm gonna run an IBO. I'm gonna get people using it, testing it debugging it they're going to get free tokens right or, or the people who give the bandwidth for the live app are going to get free tokens for helping us run it and then at that point you actually have a working product right so it's a heck of a lot more easy to pass that howie test and become a utility token when you've got a live legitimate working product right and the people who invest in the product in the early stages which would normally be considered like a series a round of funding who would need to be accredited and pay these absorbent fees to this uh, regulation body that gives them this certification and an accreditation to be able to buy. They don't have to worry about that because they're not risking any of their evils up to right? So it makes it so it, it, it lowers the, the barriers to entry, which is what the goal of cryptocurrency is supposed to be from the beginning, right? So we lower those barriers to entry for anybody who's holding the EOS. The only goal, the only thing that you need to be able to get into it is to buy EOS. And if you can buy EOS, well, congratulations. That's your, that's your accreditation. That's, that's what you need, right? You buy into these dApps. And if the dApp dies, like 95% of products in the world, you know, more than that, actually, or businesses, then you're out nothing. You've learned something in the process because you've learned from the DAP and how it worked or how it failed. So you're now a smarter person about how the EOS ecosystem works, right? Because let's face it, using the DAPs on the ecosystem are going to be the best way to learn and to teach people how to use the ecosystem. Kind of like how you were talking about Steam. It made it so it was easy for you to get in as a, as a person who wasn't literally coding every day. Right? You need those use cases because it teaches people about the blockchain and the powers of it and gets them thinking about what is possible in the future. These are all things that ICOs in the present state uh, status 
that they have, that they, like the present standards that they've adopted have kind of diminished because everybody thought so much about when do I get my boat and, and head out into the Caribbean as opposed to how do I get a large group of people who care about this stuff to join up, to try out a project that's legitimate and then maybe buy into it later on because they know it's a legitimate project and we actually have something running, a large community behind it. It's debugged, you know, by them. They're, they're very active community members that are part of it. And StakeMine and IDO ecosystem, the initial bandwidth offering system, enables that to happen. Again, because if you don't have a working product, you can't do an IBO. So mm -hmm. IBO, I'm going to boil it down into something that people can walk away from and instead of being like, that was too much fuzzy. <laughs> what I would say is this. I would say, lock up your EOS. Never risk your primary token again on a DAP. And if a DAP goes through the roof that you get into, then it's exponential returns. And if it doesn't go anywhere, you've lost nothing. And that's the power of the IBO ecosystem. And that's what's possible with it. And StakeMine is the first um, iteration of that. And that's what we're trying to do is push that initial bandwidth concept and grow it and increase the, the services that it provides over time and the, people, the number of people that it can help over time. Mm -hmm. But we just launched, of course, and we've got a couple dApps testing it out. You guys know dApps that are interested in those things, like the types of people, you know what I mean, the types of people who actually build stuff, sit there and they love building it. They don't, uh, they're not necessarily really ever looking for the, you know, for money without asking for anything, giving anything up front. But if you know good people who are building amazing things, let them know about it. Let them know that they can use this to give out tokens in return for bandwidth instead of paying for EOS, uh, just to run and operate their business until such a point in time that they can legally do an ITO, get that EOS, and then go on their way, right? So do you see this as a, like, like you're saying there, a stepping stone towards, towards ICOs or towards funding? Yeah, some people, some of the initial uh, responses that we got about it was that it wasn't, um, it wasn't a, a good idea, that it was, that they wouldn't make a whole lot of money off of it and all those things. And one of the things that I would say is I don't think that IBO is a replacement for ICOs. Mm -hmm. But neither do I think ICOs are a replacement for IBO. Mm -hmm. um, I think that, I don't think that they're competing with one another. I think as a matter of fact, it's one of those things that our industry needs. Yeah. Right. And uh, unfortunately, because there's, there's so much more money in saying, hey, give us your tokens. Uh, there's so much less responsibility in saying, just give us your, to your primary tokens and, and trust us. Because of, their, because of those two things, the incentive is very low or, or is rather very high for people to, to do the wrong thing, to ask for money first and build later, right? As opposed to asking for money after you've built something and shown people that it's valuable to them. You know, it takes, uh, what do I, I, it takes courage. Mm -hmm. It takes passion and it takes knowing that what you're building is valuable out of the box, right? Because if you're willing to do that, 
then you know what you have is valuable. You know that people are going to buy into it and test it and probably not want to, going to want to leave, mm-hmm. right? As opposed to the, the alternative. So that's the goal that we've designed this with is specifically to make it so you have people who are running dApps, actual working dApps, and that's how you get in. The IBO is the safe way to get in, to prove that MVP is working, to prove that the community loves it. And then after you've done that, now you can say, okay, we're going to do an ICO for a utility token. And it's a utility token because the damn thing works. Yeah. And I can't believe that I actually have to say that out loud because we've been here for 10 years in crypto. Right? <laughs> and I cannot, I cannot count on all of my fingers and toes all the times that I've heard of scams that never delivered anything but took plenty of money up front. And from somebody who's been here from that standpoint and, and realized, man, it's amazing what a good person can do with that money. If they would, if how many good people do you know, for instance, mm-hmm. who don't have those billions of dollars <clears throat> that other people have basically scammed, gotten boats, like I'm joke, like I joke about, but they get yachts and Lambos. Now, how many people do you know, just on, just in your head, with your experience, nobody else in your network, how many do you know who could have taken a couple million of that, probably built something frigging amazing? Yeah. So the goal is to empower those people because those are the people who are going to lift all boats and that helps everybody, including ironically, even the people who are, are scammers because mm-hmm. the tokens are worth more. You know, every single person benefits when those people get resources. So I'm advocating that and we're advocating design that directs people in that direction and creates that virtuous kind of cycle. Um, I call it like the farmer's market of, of dabs, right? Mm-hmm. And that's because every local community does need a farmer's market. It might not be the enterprise solution. It might not be the Walmart. It might not be the place where you go and you get, you know, uh, the big uh, genetically modified uh, pears that taste like cotton candy. <laughs> but you go there and you get stuff that's legitimately grown from somebody that you know is living real close to you who cares about growing those, those products there, right, in a local fashion, in a, in a more organic and virtuous site. So that's, that's the goal, because I feel like if we can do that, that's the essence of what crypto is supposed to be about from the very beginning. And if we can show people it can be done, well, then we start not needing quite as hardcore regulation. And we also start seeing more people leveraging these things and getting in on them because the risk is so low. And if they, if they lose something, they're not really losing a whole lot because they've kept their tokens locked up safely, right? And people, it's actually proven that when you have fear, less fear of loss, you're more, you're more willing to keep trying, right? Which means you're going to learn more too. So it kind of, forms this virtuous cycle that covers a lot of different interesting aspects in the ecosystem. But I think that the moon boys, <laughs> they, I've, they, I've heard them called the moon boys. <laughs> um, <laughs> I get the opportunity to say it. <laughs> the moon boys kind of overlooked because all they're worried about is, is this one single metric. 
And, and because they're worried about that one single metric, they sometimes tend to forget all the little metrics that actually drive that metric in the long term. Mm -hmm. and that's what investors care about. Yeah. Right. Or the smartest investors. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. I like I like how it aligns these incentives, like you're saying, it, it, it kind of a grassroots part of the part of the ecosystem. It cuts out a lot of the the fluff. Where so from a developer standpoint, if you've got a legit DAP that's going to have users, you're going to be able to bootstrap that DAP, gain users, and it will monetize itself later. The tough part of that process and bootstrapping is your bandwidth when you're starting off. So the stake mine comes in. Now there's a way to get bandwidth, trade it for to your initial users, which is great incentive for your initial users. So it's a self-fulfilling fulfilling prophecy on the grassroots bootstrapping uh, for the developers, which is rad. Because if they got something that works, this works for them. It's self-selecting. Yeah. If your DAP works, then stake mine works for you. It makes sense. Uh, so that's cool on that end. And then on the investor end or the... Uh, EOS token holder end. So from my perspective, uh, I am able to look at stake mine as almost like a self vetting system. Like if, if they're on there, then they've got something built. That's, you know, that's a big part of the ICO investing was just verifying that they had something built on GitHub. You know? <laughs> so, um, so, you know, they got something built and um, you can, I could be part of uh, a lot of different dApps that are started out that are that are um, that are going, but without a risk of losing my EOS. Like you say, you don't have to send your direct token over. You just you always hold your EOS, stays in my wallet, and I lend out my CPU, lend out my RAM to a uh, you know to a to a DAP that's that's building. So um, yeah, I love it. I love the, I love the the grassroots the the grassroots of it, and also. The idea, the bigger picture idea is that uh, us self-regulating, us finding ways to align the incentives so that we're, we're making less roads for scammers to take advantage of people. This is somewhere that uh, there's, not, there's not a road for scam, scammer to take advantage of someone. They're gonna, they're gonna uh, steal your bandwidth for, you know, for a couple weeks or something and then uh, you'll still realize it. Yeah, then you'll still have all your EOS. You'll you'll take it away, and you'll have all your EOS. So, um, not it's just there's not an attack vector there, which is cool. Um, so that you don't need to be an accredited investor. You don't need it. You know, you can educate yourself and um, and 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 keep trying, keep and keep growing it. It empowers people that way. So that's killer too. Um, yeah, well, and you know, and and I'll even add this one thing. There's there's also the element, and I forgot to to mention this, but it's equally as important, right? Is when I have a product that I've actually built and I've, you know, there's blood, sweat and tears that have gone into this thing. And I have a vision, a broad vision that, that I, or a focused vision might be broad, but might be narrow or broad, but I have a focused vision that I want to achieve. One of the other issues is, well, if you do a series A funding round, you know, you're, you're putting a bunch of tokens into the hands of people who might not have any real clue what's going on. They just passed a test. Mm -hmm. Right. And now they have control over a lot of your vision because let's face it, if they're going to be in on that funding round, they're going to get the most out of it they possibly can. Right. So you don't, that's another thing for, for a dad dev is like, Hey, you don't have to have that part of that concern in those early stages when you're trying to onboard rather than hear what the, the early private investors want. You say, okay, you guys are the actual users. 
What do you want? Right? Mm -hmm. Tell me how this needs to change. Tell me how it needs to improve. And by, improve. And by the way, if you're giving us bandwidth, you're going to get free tokens to do all this. Mm -hmm. Right? And you're also, you know, they might very well go up because of the value you add to us and the feedback you give to us, which is a huge part of the development of a project that a lot of times is under, underestimated, right, or overlooked. Yeah. Well, you know, that brings up, that brings up a good point from the investor side because um, there is, so let's say I have a hundred EOS and I have a choice of what to do with this EOS. Um, you know, I can use Shintai and lease it out. There's Rex coming where I can use Rex and lease it out. There is stake mine where I can essentially lease it out to specific dApps that I choose and then I'll receive some of those dApp tokens back. Those are right now, those are kind of the broad options that we have. Mm -hmm. um, now, from an investor standpoint, at first, I mean, and, and I've seen videos on this, is stake mining worth it? And people say, oh, well, you know, if I can put it in Rex or Shintai and I'm going to get EOS back, why would I lease it to a dApp and get a close to worthless token? And so, you know, that's, that's not thinking deep enough about it from an investor standpoint because uh, what people, what investors look for and where, th for me, what, where, why this clicked was because I like, I, I look for, I hunt asymmetric risk. What we, <laughs> you hunt it. Yeah, you hunt it. What, what You're I, one what, of the ones we're looking for, buddy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, what, uh, you know, there's these limited down or capped downsides with unlimited upside. That's where you need some of your investment. It has to be somewhere where cap downsides. There's no risk of room, but there is a chance to be part of the next Facebook. Um, you know, the, um, the, the top side is. So when you compare these investments and you look at the Rex and you look at Shintai, your upside's capped. And so that's rad for a portion of your tokens. Definitely. Uh, however you're building your portfolio, maybe you think, okay, well, your EOS portfolio <laughs> specifically, you think, okay, I want some of mine in this uh, capped upside. I just want this kind of monthly return. But I also want to look into dApps. I want to find projects that I like and be invested in them with very little risk, but this possi possibility of, exponential returns um so yeah. the asymmetric risk that is associated with stake mine for me is the re is what clicked when i thought oh that's why that's why i would personally do it um so for people that are out there saying oh it's not worth it um your vision's not big enough so like just just think about all that you know that's, that's what yeah saying. and here's the, an interesting thing and i i love that you said this was you know, it's, it's not necessarily for everybody. You're, you're a specific person who hunts for this stuff, right? Like you literally like to go out and find dApps mm -hmm. and talk to them and learn more about their dApps, the yeah. value that's going to be behind them. You like to, to pull them apart and look at every little piece of it. Right. And there's a, there are a number of people out there like that. Now they're a very, they're a very valuable demographic, right? If you're a dApp, Dev, and you have a legitimate project, you want people like you to be looking at it. Mm -hmm. How do you get those people on board with you? By giving them an opportunity that they're going to like, which is exactly what you're saying, which is finding this asymmetric risk. Now, one thing that I will say that is a benefit to, to leveraging stake mine that is, is quite empowering is that the tokens never leave your account either. 
right? So you're not trusting a third party or a contract to hold it and potentially get hacked. What you're, you know, and I'm not saying that's going to be something that happens often, but let's face it, crypto, the worst case does happen. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's, that's what crypto likes to teach you. If you think that that's not possible, crypto will teach you otherwise. Oh, dude, I have, I, I did on that note, just real quick, I did one round, I did one month long round of my EOS in Shintai. And I was like staying up at night. Like, why did I send my tokens over there? Like, what am I like? This is, this isn't, I, I can't do it again. And like, so uh, Shintai is a, a rad platform, but like, it depends on the mindset of the individual. The one, the, time I, yeah. the, the one time I did it, I was like, shoot, unfortunately, like I can't, I can't do this. It's not for me. It's, it's rads. But, uh, but yeah, for me, it was too nerve wracking. <laughs> well, and that's what blows my mind is that like on one side, people will think that I'm putting something like that down mm. or that you're putting something like that down. It's not that you're actually saying, for me and my use case, I'm more, I like this, right? Mm -hmm. and, and if we're talking again, again, about the mass adoption, do you want to say, okay, we're going to have, the, here's the whole user base, but we're only going to offer things that this many of them want. Mm -hmm. That's silly, yeah. right? We want to offer things that all of them are gonna want. And if somebody doesn't like stake mine, oh my God, well, by God, you use something that you like, buddy because that's gonna make EOS more valuable, mm -hmm. right? If you like another project, that's fine. EOS exists for a specific type of person who, who wants this kind of service. And for people like you who are saying, I like to look into these dApps, right? Or maybe somebody who's, who, who doesn't know if they're like you or not yet, but they're like, I'm new to crypto. I sure as heck don't wanna to go to Bitcoin or Ethereum or any of these other chains and risk my main tokens to learn things the hard way, EOS can become a safe sandbox that's actually also better for the use cases anyway. So it's not only is it faster, more scalable, something where your dApps like CryptoKitties won't fail, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Not only that, it's also a safe place for you to learn and play, which let's face it, most people aren't cryptocurrency experts. Most people are not so frigging weird that they stay up until three or four in the morning passing out at their keyboard reading about this shit. Yeah. I hate to say it because I'm one of those weirdos. I would like to be less lonely. But the fact of the matter is that most people are not like that, right? So especially if they feel like they're going to lose something in the process, right? Most people, they want to learn about something after they hold a few tokens, right? It gives them that extra incentive. So this is something that also creates that incentive for people to learn more about EOS, become experts in their own right. Mm -hmm. And all of these things in an organic way kind of cover up all of the ground that hasn't been seeded already with other things, right? So it kind of makes sure that we're not wasting the resources that we have and we're opening it up in a low barrier to entry way too, right? Because let's face it, if you're somebody, my, my wife's from the Philippines, if you're from the Philippines and you're making, let's say, $10 a day, which is actually a decent paying job there, if you buy two EOS and you get on, in on StakeMine and you find a DAP that's, that just started listing there and needs bandwidth, you might get in on it really cheap. You might get a bunch of tokens because you're the only one staking to it for a couple of days. 
And if it if that ends up turning into, you know, ten thousand dollars, that's a life changing thing for you. Right. And that and that's something that does not happen in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Right. And people don't have those opportunities. But this is the type of opportunity we can offer. And we can do it without having to ever make you risk anything as far as your primary tokens. Um, as a matter of fact, if somebody hacked, you know, if for some reason somebody hacked your account from doing something else, you've got your, your token staked into a project on StakeMine, they still have to power it down for three days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they have to unstake for three days, right? So if you've done everything right, this is actually also another security measure that you can leverage to, to help you. Yeah. So in, in, it makes, I think, I think it's such a virtuous cycle that it enables everybody to become more powerful in the ecosystem. It yeah. lifts all boats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and that's what we want. And right now, right now specifically, um, so can people still receive airdrops when they're staked to stake mine? Mm-hmm. Yep. Because the, the tokens never leave your wallet. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, right now it is, it's, to me, it's kind of a no-brainer, right? Well, because again, for my specific use case, I, I'm I'm not uh, haven't been using Shintai recently, just because even even I think Shintai secure. I am just so nervous, just sending my stack of EOS just away. Yeah, you, know? you never not, you just never know. Yeah, you like, never know what you don't know. Yeah, and it's like, and I and I trust Shintai, and they have a lot of security mm-hmm. features over there. Like it's it's not they're not dummies. Yeah, those guys are some of the best in the game. So I, I trust them. But for me, uh, my risk tolerance, I just, I just make myself too nervous. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So for me, um, stake mining, the, because I have my EOS, the majority of my EOS staked. But the fact that I could, just to keep it safe, I expect also because of the fact that you have to power down, it's a security measure, and, and I don't move it around. But the, the idea that I could stake it, and have that same feeling of warm, fuzzy, uh, warm, fuzzy, uh, warm, fuzzy feelings where I feel safe, uh, but also be able to get in on these uh, DAPs is, is 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 a good feeling. You know, it's it's that my my use case is, is a specific one to me, but uh, but I think there's other people out there that probably probably think like that too. So, oh yeah, oh yeah, there, there's there's a lot of interest I've I've found in it. it we've obviously just started, right, and. And I won't lie, like there's, you know, there's a big incentive for right now at this stage for dApps to launch without a project. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling everybody that's going to change. Yeah. We're already seeing them talking about STOs, you know, security token offerings and all these things as the options that are available. And I'm not saying that those aren't good options that are available. You know, obviously it's better than nothing, which is what we've gotten from the most, for the most part in our industry as far as guidance, <laughs> right? Yeah. But at the same time, one of the things that does concern me, and I don't say this in a, in a negative light, but, but I do want to acknowledge it is that historically, what did we get into cryptocurrency for? Mm-hmm. We got into it to try to help fix some of the issues that we saw in the current system, right? And that doesn't necessarily mean punishing the existing systems, people who are running it. Um, though some might really like to do that. That's not what it's about. It's more about saying, hey, the people who want to do the wrong thing, they're never going to have an authoritarian level of control over the people who are the little guys. And the reason for that is because we're not going to have those huge barriers to entry. 
we're going to have solutions that make it so there's lower barriers to entry. So that little guy can get in and become a potential millionaire, right? Because if you've got more of those people who got lucky because they, well, maybe not got lucky, but busted their butts and got into a position where they made good money. And they're coming from a place where they know what it's like to not have food on the table. You know, I feel like those are the people we want to have more money. If they can build something valuable or if they can find something that's valuable and, and support it being developed, that's what we should care about. That and making sure that we save their butts or at least protect them from losing as much as from losing their butts as much as we possibly can. And guess what? Everywhere else in crypto doesn't offer this. Every place else in crypto, I can't think of a single place in crypto outside of our ecosystem that offers this capacity, right? If you, anywhere else you have to buy in with Bitcoin, you have to buy in with Ethereum, you have to potentially risk and lose all of those tokens if you're wrong. And let's face it, the majority of them don't go well, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So if we can change that, we can show the world that we actually can use virtuous systems to, and this, and this, and this technology to empower everybody and to make it so it's not necessary to have heavy handed regulations because everybody's gaining more than they're losing. Right. And I think if we, if we are honest with ourselves, that's what we got into. Most of us got into crypto for in the beginning anyway. So I just kind of, I like to go back to that because I think it's a very important thing that the moon boys never talk about it, right? Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with moon boys. If you're a moon boy, you know, we need you too. Yeah. But we yeah. also need people to recognize that there's more than just moon and you don't get to the moon without rocket fuel, mm -hmm. right? So if you don't have rocket fuel and you're, you know, you're selling a bunch of money, you're buying, taking a bunch of money to, for people to buy into flights to the moon and they sit on the, you know, on the landing pad with, or the launch pad with 10% of the fuel they need. While you're sailing away in your boat. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It doesn't help anybody and it doesn't help the way that our cryptocurrency is. Like. It mm -hmm. doesn't help the mass adoption we want and it doesn't help us get to the moon. Yeah. And, and you brought up this uh, kind of this idea of upward mobility for people who haven't maybe, you know, uh, who live in countries where it's not as easy to find some sort of upward mobility. The, the chance at upward mobility is one of the like really positive parts of the United States and what had this uh, country come up with all kinds of innovation. Um, you know, and that's, that's, that's one of the sad things about the States now is that's slowed down a little bit. It's still one of the most beautiful places in the world to be able to come make something of yourself, but it's, it's harder. Uh, but what cryptocurrency does is globally and, and projects like this globally give these people chances at upward mobility and all people need is that chance. And the people who take advantage of it, like you say, go on to have these hugely positive impacts on the world because they know what it's like to kind of pull themselves up out of somewhere. Um, so just bigger picture, it's a very cool, positive effect that things like this could have. Um, so I like, I like to think about that type of thing. Too. Well, you know, and, and it's funny because what you mentioned, it's, it's kind of one of the things that I like to say is how do you measure the world's superpowers? How, how is uh, a country measured generally? it's measured usually by the size of its middle class, mm -hmm. right? The value of a country 
to its people is generally measured by the size of its middle class. If it is the world superpower, it's most likely going to have the largest middle class too, mm -hmm. right? You can't have that superpower status without those, without empowering enough people to make a vibrant and robust middle class. Now, if you look at all these cryptocurrencies out there, which ones are dedicated or have tools that are dedicated to creating the largest middle class possible? I don't see many of them. Most of them are, I, I honestly, I don't see any of them except for in EOS, <laughs> to be honest with you. Most of the places, they, they require you to put something up front, like even with Bitcoin mining contracts, right? I'm, I'm hoping that when I buy this mining contract, that Bitcoin's not going to go down substantially or that I'm not going to mine enough to make ends meet on the mining contract. And guess what? I'm not locking up my tokens for bandwidth to do that. Right? I'm literally risking the entire token. So if I lose it, I have to go find money somewhere else and inject it into the system. With this, you don't have to worry about that. Because when a project becomes valuable, that's when people are going to want to start buying into it anyway. And then they're going to start saying naturally, how do I buy into this damn thing? Oh, well, our IBO is running, but there's a lot of people already in the IBO. You might not get the rate you want for your bandwidth should have gotten in earlier but we do have an ico that's starting on this date you know and then they join a telegram where there's a bunch of people who've been trying it out during the ibo and if you have questions you're there asking questions and all those people are experts you know that's the goal that is that is what we want to do and and there was just to add one more thing on we talk about the endless dapathon in partnership and in conjunction with and that came from the whole concept of, I know that we have, you know, a billion dollars that Block One has set aside for VC stuff, right? And a lot of people are always asking, what's going on with that? You know what? Rather than having to ask what's going on with that, this is an ecosystem that's decentralized. If you have EOS, we can have an endless dapathon where people reward their bandwidth to these projects, right? And once these projects get bandwidth are working, have a large community, they do an ICO, they're successful. And what do you think is going to happen over time as more and more of these ICOs are successful using the IBO model? There's going to be a higher statistical percentage of people who didn't lose money. And that's going to also be partnered with hopefully a higher statistical percentage of people who made money because they bought into token into projects that didn't really cost them anything, but also were, were working projects, right? So those things, when you combine them, they become a very powerful tool for us because no longer do I have to worry about, well, am I, what's gonna happen with this, with this project? I don't worry about that. I don't necessarily go out and bitch so much about, oh, my token's not as worth as much as I paid for it. I don't worry about those little things. Instead, I worry about how do I make the project the working project that I can see right now, go test, how do I make it better? So my tokens are worth more. How do I show people? Maybe I get them on board and, and get them to use it. So they like it, right? Now we start seeing more organic, real value propositions that come from because we have facilitated that. We've left that blank slate open for people. We're not pigeonholing them into different options. We allow them to hold their tokens and do all that on their own. 
Yeah, you mentioned the you mentioned the process of a, a DAP. Maybe from a DAP's point of view, you see them offering a better percentage of tokens up front when you're an earlier adopter, and then waning that down towards the ICO. Um, and have you is that kind of how the the models the DAPs are set up right now that are running on Stakeline? Yeah, generally it's it's almost actually it's a lot like uh, the EOS distribution which was actually the second time that that distribution style was used in cryptocurrency. The first being, and I'm pretty sure you're aware of it, AGS and BTS, mm -hmm. or PTS rather, proto shares and angel shares for, mm -hmm. for bit shares. So Dan used this prior, but we have EOS, which is a simplified version of it with one token, Ethereum, and you sent in, you had a certain amount of tokens per day that would go out of the pool into the pockets of people who donated, right? So this would be the exact same thing. Instead of sending Ethereum, you're, so, you're, you're literally delegating your band, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah, it's, it, it. go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that is, that is a, a really straightforward model to, for people to picture, just the earlier you are and the, the sooner you are before other people start flooding in, the, the larger of the rake you're going to be getting. So. Yeah, and everybody who got into the EOS early is familiar with it. So, mm -hmm. they should, so it shouldn't be too much of a leap for them yeah. to be able to understand how it works. Yeah. Um, so what's your, what's, the, what's your acquisition strategy as far as, I mean, it sound, what you're probably looking to do is get uh, dApps to come be a part of this platform. What's, what do those conversations look like and what are, you know, how's that going? Um, well, first off, what we're doing right now is I'm advising a couple projects that are testing it out for us, learning how to use it. Um, I do talk to different dApps, but I don't force it or, or pressure anybody. I like it to be something where it's a tool that if they want to use it, they use it, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want it to be something where, hey, you know, if you use this, you're going to get... I don't worry about that. We, we're not we take a small cut of how much people get in various new tokens. So we're not even, it's like a 0.5% and it's not even really, it's mostly just to pay the bills for upkeep and maintenance. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so we're not too focused on forcing that stuff or, or, or acquisition in terms of like aggressively getting people. But what I will say is that there are, I think that the future is very bright for bandwidth markets. I think that, we are here at a very opportune time because as we, I believe that as regulations start coming in and as DAP developers start realizing that those, those wild west days are over, you know what I mean? Um, and after a couple of them crash their Lambos <laughs> and need to go back to the drawing board, you know, I think that you're going to start seeing them say, well, we need things like IBO. Right? We need initial bandwidth offerings, and we need to, to have them because we don't want the regulation to become so heavy-handed that we lose sight of our dreams just to make sure that those regulations are 100% are you know, covered, and, and they're extremely difficult regulations to get through because we don't have anything that doesn't scam people. You know, We don't have any use cases of anything that's virtuous. Now we do, right? Now we can say, hey, this is a virtuous way of doing it. You can actually make it so you, got your, you don't have to ask for EOS up front. You show us what you've got up front and let us give you the bandwidth 
And then once we've, you've, you've proven that this is a, a nice project that everybody wants to be part of, that's, that's what we want. Like I was telling somebody, they were like, why we need more dApps. And I was saying, no, man, what you want, kind of like what I was saying to you, we don't want the person who wants to do a pump and dump. We want a person who sees the value in it. Like what you're saying, this fits, this fulfills a very direct need for me. And you even said, what did you say? Pretty much you, you said, I'm not necessarily going to spend, use all of my stake on stake mine. I might use it on other things too. Mm -hmm. I'll have a percentage of my portfolio allotted to doing this, right? We want people who, to, to customize their own experience. We want them to have those opportunities and we want the projects to join to be projects that legitimately feel like they need bandwidth, right? So I'm not too focused on getting as many as possible, but what I will say is that we've partnered with the Endless Dapp Fund. Um, well, we kind of started the Endless Dapp Fund, to be honest with you. Um, and it was mostly what we started doing was we started, we worked with Matt from Tribe. Um, we're working with Jax from uh, EOS Discussions Dapp uh, on the next one. And what it's going to be like is like TED Talks for dApps and TEDx for dApps, right? And the, the reason for this is, and I'm sure you've probably seen it, and I don't mean to be mean, guys. Please don't take this the wrong way, but I've, I have dealt with a lot of FUD on our technology from outside of our technological uh, little ecosystem. Uh, and because of that, I'm a little, it might come across harsh when I say this, <laughs> but I feel like it's important to say it honestly. And that is whenever I was watching Ethereum, their, one of their conferences, they had a guy who was out there singing a song saying, please build on Ethereum. We've got work to do. Don't ICO unless you got work to do. And if you looked at the crowd, it was like kind of sad. Everybody was kind of like, it was really drab. And then I would go and I'd watch the EOS conference right afterwards. This is exactly how it happened. And it's like a party. It's like, it's like everybody's like, whoa, you know, we've got this hackathon. We've got all these different projects being built. And it's like, meanwhile, if I go read the crypto news, it's all FUD, right? Mm -hmm. So what I was thinking was, what if we can have endless dapathons and cover these dapps that are building on EOS constantly? How long are they going to be able to FUD it? If we have endless dapathons, like every month, mm -hmm. there's a dapathon with new dapps that are joining up. Maybe some of them are share dropping. Maybe some of them are doing the stake mining thing to get what they want from that. Maybe some of them are using Chinte and Rex in various ways. Who cares? But what we do care about is that them, they all are joining up live to a hangout to discuss their dapps and to show everybody on a consistent basis. Because at some point in time, all the people who are fudding all of this, if we, consider, if we can con continue giving this message on a consistent basis, EOS is always being built on. More and more it's being built on. And they can go look it up and see that it's true. FUD becomes bullshit that it really is. And the everyday person sees it because they go, wait, I can go look at all these endless dapathons and see all the projects that are literally being built on it. Then I can go look at an Ethereum conference where they're, saying, where they're begging people to, <laughs> to build on them. And just because Ethereum's foundation 
paid for, you know, paid white block to say that, that Ethereum, that EOS isn't a real blockchain doesn't really matter because <laughs> what we see the truth is that they're not able to do what EOS is doing. And maybe, just maybe, some of these points that are being, the FUD that's being thrown might have something to do with that, right? So the goal is to make it so obvious that those who are lying about it, even if they're being paid, the risk to lie about it or to say something that's untrue becomes a heck of a lot higher if their reputation is going to be on the line because there's obvious proof that you can go look at. And that's kind of the endless step. So to answer the question, how would we onboard? That's one of the main things I'm wanting to do is, is doing the endless dapathon, talking to those projects that are legitimately building something, have built something, and want to show it off, right? And then leverage them to try to get them doing an IBO, right? Now, there's obviously a lot more to it, and maybe that, that'll be for another day because I don't want to dig into it too much. But I do want to kind of give you the, the concept, the broad concept of what we're trying to paint because it's not just any little thing. There's a lot of big pieces, a, little, a lot of little pieces that go together to build this big thing. And that's kind of the, the promise that I've made to Dan was that I was going to try to help make sure that people have these types of opportunities, right? I've been blessed to be here since the beginning. So there's an opportunity I have to help the newbies out there to get into opportunities that might be life-changing with little risk. And if, they've, if they can do that here, why the hell will they ever go anywhere else, right? Even if somebody else comes and shows them a very similar opportunity, they're going to say, well, it started here. Why would I go to you? You better be offering me something absolutely amazing. And if that does happen, well, God forbid, they got something even better. But what it did was it would force those competitors to do something equally as beneficial, right? Instead of just hauling people around to talk about the, you know, the last project, like I keep seeing CryptoKitties keep speaking, you know, they keep going to conferences and, and speaking and I'm finding myself thinking, how do they twist this into a good thing? Yeah. Right. There yeah. are so many people who lost so much money and I assure you, if you go talk to them, those people who lost all that money are not happy. So, you know, I think about them mostly and it's, I know it's not like, it's kind of unpolitically correct, but, if we're not thinking about those people, we're not even being greedy well. We're being stupid. You know, like, if you want to be greedy and be greedy in the right way, you want so many people to become wealthy that your entire block is constantly a block party. Mm -hmm. Because that's like, why would you choose that? Why wouldn't you choose that if you can, you know, I would choose that over having a, a big castle and having a bunch of peasants around me, right? Mm -hmm. That's, I think if we do that, and, and we're at this point where, you know, we've been taught for so long that we're not valuable. But if we open these things up in the right way, and we use these tools in the right way, we can also remind people how valuable we really are, right? That we're not as easily replaceable as people want us to believe we are, right? Because those certain people have an agenda too, and it's not generally for us. So I, I to, to get off the soapbox, I think that's, that's all the passion and the reasons why I think about systems this way. Because, you know, my grandpa was a farmer. He would feed the people around him in his block. 
And, and those were things that never, I, I never got away from recognizing how valuable that was. Like I, it always stuck with me that if you have people who grow and build things, they lift up everybody else. And then other people will come in and help too. And then everybody starts wanting to participate and give back. And in doing so, they learn how valuable they are. They remind themselves how much value they are. And that's the kind of feedback loop that creates a synergistic feedback loop that takes us to the moon. Yeah. <laughs> and keeps us there, right? Mm -hmm. Keeps us there. Keeps us maybe going past the moon, maybe going to different dimensions and travel. Who knows? Yeah. careful on that one but <laughs> well i mean I would, i'd be happy to talk about that one too but uh yeah this unlocking of this unlocking of human potential and mm -hmm. reminding people that they have value unlocking that value and and making it kind of uh, the crypto a safe spot for that to happen is is fantastic um you hit on two points there one was the forcing the other change to compete what i like about kind of raising the standard for all of crypto this is what's possible this is what we're doing uh, and go ahead and do it better, please. Like if, if some if some other chain comes and overtakes EOS, that's fantastic. They're going to have to do it better than what EOS is doing it right now. Um, and mm -hmm. I, I I try to remain blockchain agnostic. I came from Bitcoin, ETH, BitShare, Steemit, EOS. Yep. This is my current favorite, but uh, I'm big time in favor of something being better than EOS because uh, yeah. all that human potential. The whole block could be a block party, and it's you know so it's it's. It's pretty rad in that way. Um, the other thing you talked about was uh, stake mine as a as a as a tool. So you're not actually thinking about going out and actively promoting it. You've put this tool out there now. So I put myself in the developer's shoes. A huge use case for this tool that you touched on is for regulation. As regulation comes in and it starts looking closer at all of these projects. Do you want to be a project that went out and raised a bunch of money and now you're trying to retroactively prove how useful you are? Or do you want to kind of have done everything right on the front end, built from the grassroots with something like StakeMine where it's so clear, like there's not, you know, people aren't sending you money. People are leasing you and you're giving them, you know, tokens it's, it's, it's that aren't, that don't necessarily have value that until, until there's a use case. I mean, um, as a developer, that is especially because you talk to these um, talk to projects right now, and they're they're looking at doing an STO, and they're saying, "Oh, it's so rough. You know, it's going to take five hundred thousand dollars to set up an STO." People don't think about these costs. That's yeah. that's a big cost, right? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's huge. And then all of a sudden, these developers are like, "Where are we going to come up with five hundred grand? Now we need to go find uh, you know a seed round of investment." And there's all these things that are standing in the way. Whereas, or you could just kind of if if it fits what you're doing you can do everything right with regulation not have to come up with 500 ground not have investors who are going to be pulling strings on your project and build kind of through stake mine so um there is there is this there when you put it out there like that it's a tool all of a sudden it made sense for me okay as the developers that is just a tool out there that's a route that they can take that's going to be really um you know, has a, has a great use case for people who, who, who are building that type of project. So, um, yeah, it's rad. Yeah. And, and we were talking to, a, um, a DAP, I won't say the name of the DAP yet. Okay. Cause I don't know if they're going to go with us or not, but what I did talk to them about, and this is an, an interesting way that they wanted to use it. That I think is not another important way of showing people what you can use. They said, we already have EOS. 
and we have what we think we're going to need for most of the time in bandwidth. But we want to be prepared for peak times. Like if there are times when we have when we have need for more bandwidth than we actually have, and in the interim we need something to we need to be able to leverage something to get that extra bandwidth. We can leverage our tokens, you know, or or a stockpile of our own tokens to get that extra bandwidth, maybe for a couple of days when we need it during those two days or three days because it's a big event or something, right? Instead of necessarily having to go out and buy the EOS or or do it in any other way, they can leverage it that way and kind of say, hey, we're going to we're going to offset some of these peak usage hours with our own tokens. Right. So there's there's already a couple different cool ways that people are looking at it and saying we can do something with this. This is different. And it's it's very encouraging to me because this is precisely what I was expecting and hoping, hoping as much as expecting <laughs> to happen. Because I have a lot of ideas that I think are pretty good. I've been around thinking about them for 10 years. So hopefully they aren't total shit. But the thing is, whether, whether I have good ideas or not, there's thousands of things I'm not thinking of. And there's also thousands of other people out there who are freaking crazy like you and me who sit there and spend all of our time trying to think of these things, right? So if we can have them say, wow, we could do this with this, let's do this with it too. That's the type of stuff that I want to see because then we start opening up even more use cases, right? And you never know what use cases are going to come from uh, a virtuous cycle like this, right? All you know is, all, all I need to know is that the, the, um, the foundation of the house is solid, and now you can build whatever the hell on top of it you want, right? You could, you could have, a, have it be a party house. You could be whatever you want. You know, you could be a house that has a food truck out front, and that's what you do. Like, it doesn't matter. You came up with a great idea because you had the foundation, mm -hmm. and everything else was you, right? Not, not like you, and especially one of the things that's so important to get back to is, like you said, you don't have to go out and five, find like $500,000 from an investor who might have zero clue what the hell you want to do. All they know is they want to profit from it. Right. And for somebody who's been sacrificing eating Robin noodles to get something that they dreamed of done, that might be the worst fate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if you ask them, right. If you ask them and they say, they might very well say one of my nightmares is to have to give it to somebody who has no clue what I want, you know, and, and those are really, to me, I want, I want those people. If those people are out there listening to this, please consider leveraging what we have, please consider reaching out to us. Because uh, you are the gold nuggets of this ecosystem. Uh, no, no way around it. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> this, is such a, this is such a cool idea to riff on, this idea of decentralization coming to life in EOS, kind of the, the, the dream of what blockchain is, uh, really comes to life in EOS in ways that how Block One has built a foundation for others to build on, how Stakemine is a foundation for others to build on. Uh, it came to life, and we talked about it at the uh, EOS World Expo last weekend, where, which you were at, which you presented at. But we just basically did a science fair. We put like, you know, I think there was 50 booths of all these projects 
And there was no just one single speaker who was going to tell everyone his ideas. There was no lineup. It was a bunch of ideas coming together. And there was just this crazy energy of, and we're like, this is, this is, this is decentralization. This is crowdsourcing intelligence. We don't need a single speaker and everyone's going to sit down and have them tell us what's going on. We're all going to throw stuff at the wall together. And, uh, oh, such a, such a cool way to see it happen. So, um, yeah, it's, sure. yeah. yeah. So stake mine fits in with that. And I, I like the idea of building a really solid foundation and then seeing what crazy stuff all these smart people out there come up with. I mean, it's it, turning into the only yeah. way to do things now, you know? Yeah. And of course, you know, the, the, the fun thing to me is as the founder of beyond Bitcoin, I remember telling people back in the day in our hangouts with Dan, it was like, you know, I find myself wondering when we're actually going to go beyond Bitcoin, right? Mm -hmm. Like the biggest problem with Bitcoin that I keep seeing is that they, they have so many battles and this is not putting Bitcoin down. It's in some ways it's a, it's a, superpower of bitcoin that it can fork eight different times and still somehow survive right that actually seems to improve the valuation of all of them over time <laughs> but one of the interesting things about it was it's more like the gold and i and and i can i consistently come back to this more and more it's like it's that token that you're probably not going to move a lot you know you're going to hold on to it you're going to keep it stored somewhere because it takes longer to move it than other than another currency. But you're going to use you're going to store a lot of wealth, right? But the thing that that it doesn't do very well is it doesn't scale very well. And these technologies here with with EOS and delegated proof of stake in general, they make beyond Bitcoin possible, right? They make thinking actually beyond Bitcoin use cases that are going to use the blockchain possible and keeping that open, that open slate, that, that blank slate open and, and having it, like you said, like a science fair. That's what you want. You want that playground. But we couldn't, before we couldn't, it was like everybody was on the playground, but they had their hands tied. Mm -hmm. You know, we can untie their hands and say, go play, build sand castles. You know, bury each other in the sand up to your heads and, <laughs> and, and have fun and, and, and do the things you want to build build the things you want to build, play on the playground. You don't have to sit here with your hands tied, right? We're offering other options. And of course the sand, the, the, the sand is here. It's still, it's still powered by, by Bitcoin. It, you know, Bitcoin paid for it to be hauled on to this playground, but we're also going to use other tools that are going to take us beyond Bitcoin that are going to show people, outside of that little niche that is crypto nerds, what blockchain can really do, right? And once we show them, everybody's like, how, I'm sure you've heard it. How do we teach these people the value of blockchain? How do we teach them? They just don't understand. You never teach them by telling. You teach people by showing them. Because once you've shown them and they ask you the questions, that's when you've captured their attention. That's when you can tell them, right? That's when, that's how you learned about, like got really big into, was through Steam. Yeah. And it wasn't, we, we can agree that there are issues with Steam, right? Mm -hmm. I, can, I can say that there's substantial issues with Steam. But what I can also say is that it definitely teaches people 
that blockchain use cases can be used by the masses, right? You don't have to worry about buying into every, every different DAP or DAC that you buy into is going to do a CryptoKitties crash on you, right? Where you can't even sell your kittens because nobody can buy them, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and I don't say that as a joke because it isn't a joke because there are a lot of people who are probably whose lives have been changed for the worse because of that stuff. But yeah, we're able to go beyond Bitcoin. We're able to take this thing to the next level. And like you said, the science fair that we're, that we're going to have, you know, that we're still having, we're, we're consistently having it and they're only going to get bigger. Right. So imagine what's going to happen two, three, five years from now. Right. Especially when we start having things like, like these types of IBO being recognized. Right. When, when people are legitimately saying, you know, hey, I can build this stuff. I don't need millions of dollars up front. I'm a badass at this. I've been doing it since I was five for some weird reason. So I'm going to build this and then I'm going <laughs> to. And by the way, I've got 20 other ideas that I want to build afterwards. But I don't want to pay out of pocket to show it. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to have to beg people for money. I just want to show it. Once we've got that, that's the beginning. And we've got it. Mm -hmm. Right. We're here. We're at this point now. It's only going to go light speed from here, buddy. Yeah. I mean, the ultimate, that, that is the ultimate bootstrap right there. I mean, that's a, that's a college student building something and then putting it out in the ecosystem and getting his bandwidth paid for by his first users. I mean, you, you, could all, you can do it for free, just the opportunity cost of building it. It's, it's a, I mean, that's a huge tool, huge tool. Um, fantastic. I mean, this was, this was great to dig into this because uh, I think without digging in kind of deep to understand what StakeMine really stands for and how big it is and, and what a huge tool it is, I think it's easy to kind of gloss over. People are like, oh, we're just going to stake our tokens, whatever. And they, they're not thinking about it enough. So uh, yeah. this hopefully gets that message out. This is bigger than just, uh, you know, stake mining. This is, this is a, a tool that's going to hopefully um, be huge for people who need it for the, for the right fit there. Um, where can people find StakeMine? Where's like, what's a call to action for the people listening to this? Um, well, if you're going to go to StakeMine and actually test the, the service on mainnet, you go to StakeMine.io. Uh, quite simple, right? Uh, the brand StakeMine, quite literally. So if you're a crypto nerd staking and mining, you'll get it fine. Um, if you're not a crypto nerd, if you're familiar with the term StakeMine, you're probably familiar with those stakes with mines on them from like <laughs> World War II. Um, <laughs> That's how you spell it, ironically. <laughs> uh, Stakemine.io. And then we have also a Telegram, which is t.me forward slash Stakemine. And we have a Twitter account, which is Stakemine.io, all one word. Um, and you can go to any of those places, uh, participate with us, contact us. Um, you can also check out and, and ask us about the Endless Dapathon and how to get into those things while you're in our groups. Um, but yeah, we welcome everybody to join up if you have questions, comments, concerns, anything. Um, I'm always interested in finding people who want to potentially collaborate too. So this, is, this is one of those wonderful things that where if we have people who, who see value in these things, they have skills that they can bring to it. Uh, we're not against checking out the opportunities of growing this thing into even you know, services beyond the, the basic uh, stake mine service. But I think that the stake mine service in and of itself 
uh, is so important to cryptocurrency because of initial bandwidth offerings. And I think that if, if our community is really wanting to prove to the rest of crypto that we are indeed excellently unique, you know, very special in the space, like that, that diamond in the rough that nobody seems to notice, the best way of doing it is to show people that we have things like this when other chains don't. To teach people that, hey, we've actually got things that will save and protect your ass while you're testing out and playing with these new tokens. Because I'm gonna tell you right now, from the standpoint of somebody who's gone, who's been burnt for to the tunes of hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of dollars over the course of my crypto career, I actually don't even go into it in <laughs> book anymore. Um, from the standpoint of, of somebody who's dealt with some of these things, and not even on the large scale compared to a lot of people, I can tell you one of the worst things, one of the worst feelings in crypto is buying into something that's a promise that, or feels like a promise, and you think it's going to be a return and then you lose everything. You know, that's, that's the best way to get, to go directly opposite of the, the mass adoption path, right? So that's what I would like to just say to everybody is consider leveraging this, consider what you can do with it. And join up, become part of the community, ask questions and, and bring anything that you have to say to us. Awesome. And I'll put the, the links in the show notes, my EOS podcast friends on my end. I have the Mr. Happy Money proxy. Uh, I interview a lot of block producers. I talked to Fuzzy today, not a block producer, but uh, I do talk with a lot of block producers and uh, judge them on transparency, empowerment, building together. You know, uh, if you were a block producer, you'd have my vote because that's kind of what StakeMine does, transparency, um, empowerment and building together. I mean, those are, those are some of the key tenants that we're working towards here. So, uh, Mr. Happy Money Proxy, if you're looking for somewhere, someone to vote for block producers for you. Um, this is the EOS podcast, my EOS podcast friends. It's not just a wonderful YouTube show. You can also listen on your way to work or, uh, while you're going to, you know, while you're doing dishes or something. So, uh, check out the podcast if you haven't. And, uh, that's our show for today. Fuzzy, Justin, it was rad to have you on, man. Um, love what you're doing. I appreciate it. So, uh, cheers. Thank you. Money is not the prime asset in life. Time is, and uh, your time is. Just- Clap along.